They got up special early this morning, and uh, it's funny. I hit my snooze so many times. My wife asked me if I was going to church this morning. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was thinking about this hour change thing. Why did they do it at night? Why don't they, like, you know, make companies pay us for the extra hour we don't put in or something? Wouldn't that be, like... Who wouldn't be for a time change if you got a bonus, right? Friday, there we go. Yeah, do it during the day, you know? So if it stays, maybe we should, like, start a petition or something, right? If we can't get rid of it, put it during the day. Hey, um, we're, the next two weeks, just if you have uh, kids or whatever, these, if you've not read Corinthians 5, if you're reading along or, or doing it in life group, we're doing Corinthians 6 next week. It's not necessarily something you might want little kids to interact with. You know, if you if read ahead, use your, use your um, yeah, just say, okay, he's talking on this chapter. Do I want my kids to come? All right? That's all. You, you'd be the judge. Um, so let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll uh, deal with this. Uh, this is a challenging chapter. So, Father, we do open our hearts to you, to your word, to your spirit. Uh, grateful. Just grateful. Grateful the gift of life and life eternal. Grateful that you have introduced yourself. You've invited us into a, a relationship with you. And I, I just ask that you would open my heart, my mind, our community's heart and mind to your word this morning. Bless us with your presence in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this is, uh, this is a chapter where he's dealing with a, a problem, okay? And so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read. I'm going to read it. So here's, here's the problem. Um, and we're just going to, I'm going to progressively read through the, the chapter with you. And the problem, I'll just let the Apostle Paul tell it. Um, next slide. It says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Next. And you are proud Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have you put out, excuse me, mourning and have put out of fellowship, your fellowship the man who has been doing this? And, and so the Apostle Paul is describing a situation where even in the pagan culture, they did not like, look kindly on a, uh, a man having a sexual relations with his, his mother-in-law. It's his stepmother, actually. And, and it's the, the, the culture, and this is really hard if you, you have to, because it's, it, it, the only way you can sometimes understand certain books of the Bible is, is if you've ever traveled to another country. Because you're, you're going back 2,000 years to a different culture, a different context, culture where they had temples and they uh, worshipped other gods, 
they dress differently. They, they look differently. One of the, the writers of that time talked, uh, talked about having, you know, a man would have his wife, and he would have then his mistresses, and his wife was for bearing children. His mistresses, they said, were for pleasure. And then he had another category, we could say a concubine, and that was for another kind of pleasure. And this was just accepted. It reminded me when I, I moved to, to Portugal, and they, they had an old... Uh, culture in, in parts of Southern Europe where, where you had your wife, but you also had your amante. And so they would, they, um, and it was still, the North was a little bit more, um, not as progressive as Lisbon, where we lived in Lisbon, but it, it, was, it, it was very common historically for uh, a man to be married, but have a lover on the side. And, and some of them, they would even be fully providing for them. They would have a house. They would put them up. I mean, this was like a thing. And I remember one time my wife and I went to, we were celebrating, a, I can't remember what we were celebrating. We went to lunch at a really nice seafood restaurant right on, on the coast. And I'm, I'm eating. And then I'm, I'm, I started to look around. And I saw all these older business guys. And I said, with younger women. Throughout the whole restaurant. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. I wonder. And so I learned about this because I even met people in the Lisbon area that were a kept woman, house, everything, the lover of another man. And one of the, one of the, the stories then that I heard uh, was there was a, a, a man who, or a young mom who got married, and her husband started to do what was historically done in the culture for the last hundreds of years. And, the, and, the, and she went to her mother, and her mother said, well, don't you know that's what your dad did on Thursday nights? And I tell you these things because that was very similar to the Corinthian culture. They had different rules for the game, and they accepted them, but they didn't accept this. That's what Paul says. Even pagans don't think it's okay for a son to sleep with his stepmother, and it's, this was a, a continuing relationship. Now, that's not out of the church. This is in the church. And he says this. He says, they're proud of it. They're proud of it. And so the Apostle Paul was shocked that this church was arrogant. And you say, well, how, could, how can this be? Yeah, and, and you really have to wonder. This is a Christian church. They've come to Jesus. The Apostle Paul preached to them. They, as you'll find out later, they have tons of gifts of the Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's active in their community. And, but they're really boastful and arrogant about this relationship. This is, they think, all good. And so the Apostle Paul is going, no, guys, this is not good. 
there are a couple, couple ways you can look at this theologically. So theologians will say uh, they justified it because they had a distinction or their influence with uh, what uh, sometimes people call Gnosticism. And they say that, well, I, I, what I really am is a spirit. I'm, I'm this, this spirit person. And so therefore what I do in my body really doesn't matter because it's the flesh. And they have this really strong distinction. And so that's one of the possible heresies that the church could have used to justify this behavior. Another theologian I was, I was reading, I really like this one. This was a, this was a good one. They, they, um, they speculated that the church believed that the new creation that God gave us makes all relationships new. And therefore, it's like, okay, we, we took an eraser to all the relational connections and now everything's good because I'm new in Christ and you're new in Christ. And I thought, well, that's an interesting one too. Either way, you have to realize that this church, this church theologically justified this relationship and the apostle Paul was stepping in by letter and saying, guys, this isn't right. And so... The, they're not strugglers. They're proud and boastful that they have this kind of relationship in the church. So how did Paul want to solve the problem? This is a tough one now. So we're going to read it together. It says this, For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this way. I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So, when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and in the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is when Christ comes again. Wow. Wow. So the term hand this person over to, to Satan in the Septuagint, there is a similar phrase. Septuagint was a, Greek, was a Greek Bible during the time of Jesus, which, um, which people read. And, and so it used the translation in Job, hand him over to Satan. It's not a translation in the Hebrew, but it is a translation in the Septuagint. So some people speculate that that's where Paul got this expression. Couple things. When you read this, it's not easy to read, is it? Because first of all, I mean, I don't know if I've ever handed somebody over to Satan, right? I mean, I grew up with Saturday Night Live, and I, anytime you say Satan, the church lady goes off in my head. And, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I'm just a broken human being like you guys, okay? So, um, so, so when it talks about this, uh, he says, hand this person over to Satan. So is the Apostle Paul really saying, um, here, give him to Satan? I don't think so. I think what, what the Apostle Paul is saying is he's saying, you have a person that's arrogant and proud and boastful. He's, you all as a community have accepted this practice. There's no repentance. There's no nothing. You have accepted this and you're proud of it. And he says, this guy needs to be put out of the church. 
And the Apostle Paul's thinking, he's saying, he's saying there are two realms. There's a realm in the church. And in the church, there is a protection. There is a grace. And if you put somebody out of the church, again, now, remember I said it's like going on a mission trip and going to, or going and traveling to another country. You couldn't put somebody out of the church and they, they, they didn't have First Baptist right down the street, okay? They, it, they couldn't go to another one. There was, just put your finger up, just everybody. There was only one, okay? We understand? So you were either in the church or out of the church. And he said, put him out of the church. And that is an area where Satan has free reign. Because the Bible says that Satan came to steal, to kill, and destroy. It's in John 10. Uh, it's called the thief. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. And so most of us, when we read that scripture, we see what Jesus is getting at. Is he getting at the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy his flock? And so, that, that, so when, you, when Paul says, I'm going to put him out for the destruction of his flesh, I don't even think he's talking about he's going to die. He's just going to have some kind of suffering going on. But the wild thing about this passage is Paul still cares for that guy. Because he doesn't, he's like, okay, church, You can't tolerate this sin in your camp. You can't. But that guy's still going to be with Jesus. That's what it says. So that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Paul wasn't even saying the sin that he was committing was going to bring about eternal destruction. He was saying, put him out in the church where where he's not in the protective, grace-filled, Holy Spirit covering of God's people. So he has to come to terms with his choices. But his spirit's going to be saved. That's a hard one, isn't it? That was the answer that the Apostle Paul said. And so then he goes on and he, he gives them a why. He says, well, this is why. He says, he says, your boasting is not good. Okay, so they're proud that they've accepted this person for whatever theological reason. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And this, this is, I, I just got to say, this is um, tipping our hat to the Seder. If you've never experienced a typical Seder Passover meal uh, and, and seen how it points to Jesus, sign up for our Seder. And those who are just waking up online, um, you, you could actually come in because your body will be adjusted to the time difference. And wave your hand, Phil. Phil's going to be leading, leading the, uh, the Seder for us. So... Um, 
He's, he's saying that, that when you allow the sin in your camp, when you allow this sin in your camp, it, it pollutes the whole loaf. It, it, it's, it's, you have to separate it. Again, we're talking about a boastful, proud, non-unrepentant community. And, and he, 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 he fully understands something. He, and I don't know how to, how to get around this, but he, he then takes it one more step. And, and I loved this. And he basically says, not just this guy, but who you hang out with matters. And he says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So, he, so we have 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but there was a pre-1st Corinthians. You understand that? We just don't have it, all right? I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters for... In that case, you would have to leave the world. I'll give it from here. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slander, a drunker, a swindler. Do not e- even eat with such people. I just got a comment. Who'd want to hang out with a swing- swindler? Like, like... <laughs> Can I hang out with you so you could rob me? Like, yeah, wait, say it again. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. When you go to lunch, you always pay. Okay. Uh, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So he, he's, yeah, there we go. Um, Paul goes later in, in the same book, and he, he makes this, he uses this expression, you can find similar proverbs, bad company corrupts good character. You got to understand, when, when the Bible speaks of something, it's, it's not just like coming down from heaven and this is God speaking. This is the, insp- there was this wonderful inspiration process that kept the, it, it, it keeps the, the hand of the writer and the hand of God going together. And you know that the Apostle Paul, in his life, when he says bad company corrupts good character, he's seen that happen. He maybe even experienced it in his life. The the pull, as he was hanging out with some people, the pull towards something that was not pleasing to God. And somebody said to me, well, well who, who can be in the church? Because, like, I have friends who have addiction, or I have, I have uh, you know, who, who, this person messed up or had an affair, or, you know, and, and, and you say, wait a second. The Apostle Paul is talking about people who have intentionally chosen to live a certain way and name the name of Jesus, okay? There's a big difference between people that struggle and people that have given up the struggle and want to hold on to both. 
Does that make sense? If the church was for perfect people, there would be no church, right? So we know he's not talking about that. He's talking about people that were, were, again, put yourself in this culture. I mean, if we did not have the Holy Spirit writing his laws on our heart, and if we didn't have God's word, we would, we would of course, who wouldn't want to be out and uh, be a swindler or this or that? Because, because you're trying to, you know, get by, make it. Everybody's doing their little hustle because they don't have God to center them and tell them this is the good life. This is the good life. So everybody's out for themselves. And the Apostle Paul says that's the spirit that doesn't come into the church. That this, that's the spirit that doesn't belong in the church. So I'm going to give you a couple takeaways. Oh, you're small. Um, God cares about his flock. God deeply, deeply, deeply cares about his church. Every one of us. To the point where he would say, you got to put somebody out because it's going to hurt the community. And you could say, well, Pastor Dwight, have you ever practiced this before? A couple times. You know, you know when I really, when I practice it? When there's a predator. We've had predators here before. We had predators in Amsterdam. We had a guy basically going after the pastor's daughter and told, wanted to not my daughter. Was, I was an associate. He was a senior pastor. And we had to, we had to get, him, get him out. He was dangerous. Uh, had people on the sex offender list in our community before. And I remember having a conversation with this person and saying, you can worship, but you can't be around children. He kept going to be around children. Tell them again, you can worship. You can't hang out by kids. And I had the three strikes in your out rule. And so he would not, not try to engage children. And you could find him on the internet. And so he had to, we had, I had to ask him to leave. And uh, yeah, and, there, and the, there's only been, a, you know, some others who, who um, there are sometimes people have uh, certain theologies or others, and I haven't uh, asked them to leave, but I've taught very publicly against it, so they felt like I kicked them out, but I didn't kick them out. I just taught the truth. Does that make sense? So I, we used to have a person here that believed you only repent once. You never have to repent again in your life. And when I preached on repentance, I ended up in a slide they slammed their Bible and walked out of church. I'm like, nobody ever, they never prepared me for this in seminary, that like repentance was a bad thing. I think repentance is a natural part of life. Repentance, metanoia in the Greek, means you think differently. It means that there's always going to be times in my life where I'm going to have to go, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that is a better way to live. Oh, I've messed up. And, and, and when you make that change, when you redirect your life, when you turn it back to God, that's repentance. You see, so I see 
the, the act of putting somebody out is a last resort. Uh, don't forget Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, 15 is a go-to passage. It talks about this. If someone has offended somebody or someone sinned against you, you go to them and you have a conversation and you say, hey man, I've been, I've been hurt or I've been offended. And usually that's, it's solved there. Then Jesus continues to teach and he says, if they don't listen, then take another person. And he says, in the last result, take it before the church. And they need to be, he talks about putting them out of the church. So the Apostle Paul didn't just learn this because it was in his imagination. It was actually even taught by Jesus. But remember, the downside of this one was the whole community bought into it. It wasn't just one person. The whole community thought it was good. They were arrogant about it. Uh, friends matter. So... Who you make friends with matters. We used to, when I was a, a youth pastor, we talk about we talk about who's gonna who's gonna pull the person up or down. You know, it's like if I'm down here and I, I give you a hand, is it gonna be easier for me to to pull you up, or is it gonna be a lot easier for me to be pulled down? We could try if you'd like to see me fall. Um, it's much easier to be pulled down. And I'd say to the young people, you got to be careful who you hang out with. You have to be careful who you hang out with because they influence your life. And here's the thing. When you read this passage, and it talks about don't associate with these people, that there, there should be a growing holiness in the life of a believer. But it's not a legalism. It's not a legalism. It's a holiness that comes from hanging out with Jesus. Because if bad company corrupts good character, what does good company do? It builds character. And you and I, when we hang out with Jesus, whether we're hanging out in some form of a devotional in the Word, when we're talking to Him in prayer, when we're getting in a life group and sitting about and talking about God's Word and getting around other people, there is something that grows inside of us that makes us holy, set apart. Holiness, is its basic meaning means set apart. Set apart for holy use. But, but there's, a, there's a growing transformation that comes out of a relationship with Jesus. And so don't ever view holiness as something sterile on its own. Always view it in a, in a covenant, loving relationship with the living God. Friends matter. And your best friend should be Jesus. I'll tell you a little story. My uh, youngest daughter started her daughter into a preschool, and uh, she's three years old, and she just, I think this was the first week, and she said, she said to her mom, she said, Mom, I, I missed you. I really missed you at preschool, so I told Jesus about it. And I thought, if she learns that at three, you know, we adults could learn from that. Learning to hang out with Jesus changes us. That's where our holiness comes from. And then the last one is there's a difference, and I already made this point, between, the, between arrogance and struggling. You, you, you know, 
Jesus says, come to me, all you weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, okay? Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Broken, hurting people, Jesus loves. And this is not kick out the strugglers in the church because we'd have to lock the door, okay? This is, these, these are people that the Apostle Paul knew could come into the church and pull the community down, justifying their behavior and calling themselves followers of Jesus. So do you understand the difference? So my hope is when you read this and you come into this chapter, you, you, you don't exclude yourself, but you draw near to Jesus and you let him be your guide and your healer and your helper because he loves you. Those of you who got up this morning, we should turn around and wave to those online, shouldn't we? Anyway, um, before I close, I'll just tell you, I had went to a couple years of my life, went to a Christian university, and, and they had a church attendance requirement. And so some of the students would say, I, I went to Our Lady of the Golden Arches this morning, or I fellowshiped with Brother Sheets and Sister Pillow, and um, it happens. I want you to stand up and pray together. Lord, you love the flock. It's your church. It's not mine. It's not even ours. It's yours. And you're the head. And we thank you for loving your flock. Thank you for this baby, pretty messed up church in Corinth, that they had all these problems so that we could learn from them. Lord, I, I pray that you would bring us into the right relationships. First and foremost with you. And I'm just going to pause here at that thing as your eyes are closed and just say, if you've never given your life to Jesus, today can be your day. He invites us into this life-giving relationship and, and he says, look, I, I truly came to this earth to show you how to live. I stretched my arms out on a cross to die for every one of your sins. And so you could now have a relationship with the living God. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, and then we're, we're just going to pray that. The invitation's here. And just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I take you as my Lord and my Savior. I take you as my leader and my friend. I want to live for you. I want you to be my best friend. change our lives, Lord, as we hang out with you and use us, use us to point many people to you. 
and to do every good work you've prepared in advance for us to do. We're going to have some prayer ministry if the prayer ministry people could come on forward. And, and uh, I just, I had that picture as we were worshiping about a basket, the thing we were carrying in. And, and, and uh, for some of you, whatever that is, the Lord wants you to get some prayer for that this morning. So you have some prayer team people, can you come up? I see that hand, I see that hand there. So I, I don't, I, I want you to know, and I've said this, uh, and I'll keep saying it, this moment is still the service. Maybe the most important thing that will happen today is right now when you go to get prayer. And if when I spoke about carrying something in, and that spoke to you, you possibly want to take that and get some prayer. All they're going to do is ask that the Holy Spirit comes in a special way in God's kingdom. As Jesus said, God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to give you a blessing and then we're going to keep prayer ministry going. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his favor, his countenance on you, and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. Come on and get some prayer. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.